Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Horse racing dominates this edition of the podcast. The two-day Breeders' Cup World Championships take place Friday and Saturday at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, Kentucky. Later on, I'll speak with NBC Sports horse racing handicapper Eddie Olchek. And we might just talk some hockey with the NHL on NBC lead analyst. But first, let's talk to our man who covers horse racing for the Daily Gazette. Last month, he was named the 2019 New York State Sports Writer of the Year by the New York Press Association. Here is Mike Begatta. Mike, welcome back to the podcast, and congratulations on the well-deserved award. Thanks a million, Ken. It was quite a thrill uh, to get that. And um, uh, But it seems like ancient history at this point because it's been kind of busy around here. I understand there was an election, a bunch of elections this week. I've, I've been nose-deep in the Breeders' Cup past performances, but... I kind of through osmosis. I caught wind of the fact that I guess we had some elections too. But yeah, I was out uh, doing some video, uh, getting the capital regions, people's uh, voters, uh, their thoughts on the presidential election. So it was kind of a you know interesting uh, time to be out uh, Tuesday afternoon and Tuesday morning, uh, you know, following elections. It was kind of fun to do. Yeah, a little little change of pace for you. Um, it seems like so many things are on people's minds in the country right now that it. It's a little on the weird side that we're cranking up for, you know, the, basically the biggest weekend of racing uh, on the calendar. And uh, But that's what we're doing because they're running them uh, at Keeneland on Friday and Saturday. Um, no fans. Uh, it'll be 14 Breeders' Cup races, uh, five on Friday, which is called Future Friday or whatever it is because it's all ju- restricted to juvenile races. And then we'll have the big day of Saturday with nine races, $31 million in total purses. For the 15 races, really looking forward to it. It's, a, it's always a great uh, betting prospect um, if that floats your boat, especially on Saturday, because, you know, it's it's big, deep fields and um, not necessarily, you know, I mean, there's a couple of races with some pretty heavy fra- favorites that seem like no-brainers, but these big fields, anything can happen. You know, it's full fields and, and racing luck can come into play, so... There's usually some pretty good payoffs and uh, good luck if you're trying to hit them. Yep. We'll talk about uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic, which Tis Law is in in a, in a little bit. But let's first look. Let's focus on Friday a little bit first. The, as you mentioned, it's uh, you know, Future Friday with the juveniles. Uh, what do you look for in those races? Those races can be really, from a betting standpoint, really a crapshoot. Now, um, the two that I'm focusing on, not necessarily from a betting standpoint, but just from pure interest from having seen these horses at Saratoga, which they were, were – Several dozen that will be running this weekend who kind of made their path through Saratoga this this uh, summer. Uh, one is Golden Pals, the eight to five favorite in the uh, juvenile turf sprint. Uh, very impressive uh, in running, winning the um, Skidmore at Saratoga. Um, beating a horse uh, stablemate, in fact, named Fauci, named after Dr. Anthony Fauci. If we can like climb back into you know um, national news again for a second and then the other one i'm really looking forward to is um jackie's warrior who's the seven to five favorite undefeated four for four won four races by 13 and a quarter combined lengths um is running in the juvenile which technically is supposed to be you know a precursor for the three-year-old races next year the you know the triple crown races doesn't always work out that way but um this guy certainly was very impressive at saratoga 
uh, swept the Saratoga Special and the Hopeful, which were the only two graded stakes on dirt for um, two-year-olds. Um, you know, they, they lost the Sanford, which, you know, usually there's three in that series, and they lost that race this year just because of the schedule getting jumbled. But since then, he, he added the grade one champagne at Belmont Park. He's very fast. I don't know. You know, he might have some distance limitations, so not necessarily a precursor for him being on the Derby Trail or the Triple Crown Trail next year, but who knows, maybe. And he's certainly by far the best um, juvenile who's going to be running on Friday. You see any uh, potential upsets in any of those races? On Friday, um, haven't really dug into them. And, and the, thing, the tough thing for the Friday races is that they don't really have a lot of form. They're two-year-olds, and really they've, a lot of them have only run you know, maybe three times. So there isn't a lot of form um, to go by. And like I said, I mean, this, this juvenile turf sprint, it's a full field of 14 with an obvious favorite, Golden Pal, but he drew the 14 post way outside. So maybe that makes him vulnerable. Um, he's going to have to go. Uh, right out of the gate in, in that race. Um, and that's kind of the one, I mean, it's a short field in the juvenile Phillies. Uh, sim Simply Ravishing is the second choice behind Princess Noor. Um, Simply, Simply Ravishing was very good at Saratoga. She, she, um, uh, she broke her maiden and then won the P.G. Johnson, and I, I believe she's undefeated as well. But um, Upsets now, um, the juvenile thing is a little bit more of a dartboard for me. And then, you know, the horses that you have a better feel for and certainly have way more form that you can research on paper are the, the older horses on Saturday. Before we get into Saturday's races, in particular the Breeders' Cup, it's been a few years since they've split the card up into a two-day event. I mean, is that a good thing? It lessens the, the load on the fans? I mean, you don't want to have 14, 14 yeah. 15 races? I mean, it's an opportunity for them to make a weekend out of it and really a week out of it There, if you've been there watching the horses do their final preparations. It's been split over two days um, forever. Um, the first Breeders' Cup was in 84, and the one thing that they've – fiddled with is they tried to make the Friday card be more um, female centric so they kind of stacked all those you know the horses or the races restricted to, to fillies and mares on Friday to put the spotlight that on them but that was a you know that didn't last long it was kind of a lousy idea because the distaff is one of the most important and exciting and interesting races and to have it kind of like on Friday when people are just getting warmed up as opposed to on the big day Saturday when all the big stuff is. You know, they tried that for a little while, and I don't blame them. You know, they were trying to make the distaff be sort of like the tent post race of the Friday card, but I think the juvenile idea is a little better. Um, you know, it's only five. You know, Saturday's a big day with nine races, and, and you can kind of have a theme running through the five races on Friday. So I think they have it set up, the you know, the way, the way they ought to. Well, let's get to Saturday's card, and in particular the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic, the final race on Saturday, expected to go off at 5.13. Tis the Law is the, the second favorite in this uh, race. Uh, Improbable is the favorite. Uh, Tis the Law drawing the number two post. So let's first of all, are you surprised Tis the Law is not the favorite? Not at all. In fact, I almost thought he had a chance to be third choice behind. Um, I mean, I certainly thought Improbable was going to be the, the favorite, but you know, Authentic uh, beat Tisla Law in the, in the Kentucky Derby the last time Tisla Law ran, which was September 5th, so I thought maybe he had a little bit of chance. Plus, there's some older horses um, like Tom's Day Tot that I thought 
possibly could be favored over Tis the Law. I think second is about right. I mean, the way they set up the morning line is they're trying to gauge how the public will bet. They're not predicting the order of finish. A lot of people forget that. So when they put Tis the Law second choice, that's the odds maker saying, I believe that the public will be hammering Tis the Law um, with the second most amount of wind money and the wind pool behind Improbable. And I'm pretty sure that's about how it'll work out. He's He's worked great. The distance is right in his wheelhouse. Um, they're not in love with the two post. Um, cause he does have a little bit of history of if he doesn't get outside and get away from traffic that, you know, um, that might provide some difficulty for him. Um, uh, so no, three to one seems pretty, seems about right. And five to two on improbable, um, Seems right, too. He's, he's a horse that's kind of come on at the end of the season. He won the Whitney uh, at Saratoga and then the Awesome again um, out in California. So I, I think the morning line is pretty legit. I'm very interested in Tom's Data at 6-1. to one. Um, He he was looked loaded for Bear to win the Whitney. And then his buddy Improbable on the inside was acting up in the starting gate and it caused a chain reaction of, like, it, meanwhile, Tom Sigtow was just sitting there like a perfect gentleman, and then the gates open, and he like took this weird stumble step and was entirely out of the race, like two steps out of the gate. It was really a shame because it would have been interesting to see what would have happened in the Whitney if that didn't happen. So with that in mind, I mean, maybe if you're interested in betting on him in the Breeders' Cup Classic, could have a silver lining literally if... Um, you know, he shows up with his A game, which I fully expect him to do. And, you know, if you get anywhere near 6-1, to one, that could be a pretty nice payout. Uh, Tis the Law hasn't raced since the Kentucky Derby. Uh, they decided not to run in the Preakness. was, I guess, the Sacatoa Stable people and uh, probably yeah, tag more. Yeah. Yeah, thought it was not uh, worthwhile. Just, to, you know, just, and just let's get Tis the Law ready for uh, the Breeders' Cup. Do you think that was the right move? Yeah, it was the right move if you're trying to win championships, whether that's a three-year-old male championship Eclipse Award or maybe even Horse of the Year. I mean, if he wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, he's going to win the Horse of the Year. Um, and with that in mind, you, you know, you kind of kill your chances of the Classic if you run in the Preakness. He had a relatively busy schedule toward the end of the summer into the you know early part of the fall. Um, no triple crown on the line, you know, the weird, you know, Frank, I call it a Frankenstein monster of a, of a triple crown set up this year. After he lost the Derby, it just didn't make any sense to, to run in the Preakness just to win the Preakness. There's no triple crown, and you greatly enhance your chances of winning the Breeders' Cup Classic by skipping it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was 100% the right move. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, especially considering he's facing older horses for the first time in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and that's going to be a tall order against the likes of Improbable and Tom's Day Time by my standards. Um, but, you know, you got to give something somewhere. So, I mean, you, you got to make some sort of sacrifice or concession. So you bail on the Preakness, you give yourself a way better chance to, uh, to win the, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Is there a horse in this Classic that could pull off an upset? Um, Upset-wise, there's only 10 horses, and they all pretty much, um, you know, their, their form is pretty pretty clear, it seems. Um, you know, I don't really, Global Campaign is coming off a win in the Woodward at Saratoga. Um, 
So, uh, but I'm not really in love with him. I think maybe by my standards, if you were looking at like double-digit odds on the morning line as far as upset City, I would say by my standards because he, he had a wonderful campaign going earlier in the year. And then, um, you know, he was second in the Whitney. Granted, Tom's d'etat, despite his miserable start in the Whitney, did well to get up for third and, um, you know, was closing on by my standards. I, I really like Tom's d'etat in this race a lot. Um, but... From an upset standpoint, if I had to pick somebody, it would probably be by my standards, just based on his form earlier than year, in the year. And he, you know, he performed pretty well in the Whitney, finishing second to Improbable. Mike, we got him joining us here on the Parting Shots podcast, talking uh, this weekend's Breeders' Cup. Let's uh, look at the other divisions on Saturday. It's beginning with the uh, Philly and Mare Sprint. Who do you like? Philly and Mare Sprint. Oh boy, um, I will say that I have not like handicapped every race to the point of picking a favorite. Um, I will say, um, I mean, Gamine is the obvious 7-5. to five. She's very fast. Um, I'm, I'm interested in Come Dancing. She won the uh, Honorable Miss at Saratoga, and this is going to be her swan song. And um, they, they, you know, they, they got her right at the right time of year. Um, Serengeti Empress is a, is a horse that, every, you know, you kind of root for. She won the ballerina at Saratoga. I, I, you know, I'm kind of like... From a price standpoint, I'm, I'd be interested in throwing a couple bucks on Come Dancing, but Gamine is the clear and obvious 7-5 uh, to five favorite. Um, so it's hard to get around her. She's very fast. When I think of Come Dancing, I think of the Kink song back in the uh, mid-'80s there. So. <laughs> they may even have named the horse to that, uh, with that in mind. I don't know, but um, maybe we'll, maybe that'll be in the post game if uh, she wins it. Uh, I won't sing. No, okay. um, turf sprint. Okay. Yeah, yeah. America thanks you. Thanks me for that. Uh, turf sprint. Who do you like there? The favorite there uh, got stormy. Yeah, it got stormy. It's interesting. I mean, she's she's run against males, um, and will do so again in this race. Um, and she's just had a very interesting career. Other than that, I, it's a total crap. Like half these horses, at least I I don't. I mean, you can look at the the morning line on these horses they're all 12 to 1 15 to 1 there's there's nobody that really jumps out um got stormy is clearly the name horse in here and uh, i'd love to see her win just because she's had such an interesting campaign running against males in in grade one company uh uh including last year winning the bernard or the uh, four-star david saratoga um very interesting philly dirt mile uh, complexity the favorite there or what are your what's your choice um Dirt Mile, you know, I hate to be Joe Chalk, but, I mean, Art Collector is kind of interesting because he's, you know, considered one of the upper echelon three-year-old males at this point in the year and, and you know, was trying to win races like the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Um, but complexity is kind of hard to get around, um, so I'm not going to get try to get too cute in that race. I'll stick with him. Two to one, and he's actually one of the decent prices of, of some of the favorites uh you know it's not great but yeah. <laughs> and he will be bet so you, you probably won't even get two to one yeah. on to the philly and mare turf uh rushing fall coming out of the six hole at five to two the favorite hate to be chalky but i love her uh i really do i've been a big fan of her since you know all year and then she won the grade one diana at saratoga um was really kind of a um you know, validation of her whole career, which is likely will wind her up in the um, in the Hall of Fame. And I've been kind of interested in her for a long time. Um, I, Chad Brown is has got 13 entered in the Breeders' Cup. Um, you know, over the course of the various um, races, and seven of them are in turf races on Saturday. Four of which he's got in the Philly and Mare 
turf this race, which he's won four times since 2012, including with Sister Charlie in 2018. But she really appears to be off form, so um, I don't know if I'm even going to use her in this really deep, you know, wide open field. And I, you know, I got to go back to um, Rushing Fall. He's just been a big fan of that horse, and and. Uh, um, you know, based on her Diana, which was rescheduled Saratoga toward the end of the meet, usually it's first weekend. Um, she, she looked like uh, she looked dynamite. On to the sprint and uh, Vacoma coming out of the 14th spot, the favorite of three to one. Yeah, really a shame. And this horse just had an outstanding uh, 2020 campaign for trainer uh, George Weaver, who who doesn't usually get horses. He gets good horses and he does well with them. But this was like probably the best horse he's ever had and the horse was actually George is one of those guys that stays at the Oklahoma and Saratoga like until they kick him out in November and this horse literally traveled from Saratoga to uh, Lexington Kentucky on Tuesday this week and then they got her off the plane and or he got they got him off the plane and he spiked a fever so he's out it was a real shame I you know I don't know what he would have been able to do with that 14 post mm -hmm. in a in a deep field um so with that in mind um Interesting horses for me are, are Yaupan, um, the three-year-old from Steve Asmussen's barn who won the Amsterdam at Saratoga and is very fast. You know, seven to two. Now, I, they haven't, I don't know if they've adjusted the morning line with the coma being out yet, but before that, uh, Yaupan and uh, CZ Rocket were the co-second choice of seven to two. So this is a crazy wide-open race. And, so, and Yaupan, I know, is very, very fast. Another horse... Um, that's interesting. I don't know if I'm necessarily better as Frank's Raquette, who won the Prioress at Saratoga, and she's a three-year-old filly taking on males. and And the reason she's in this race and not the filly mare sprint is because that race is seven furlongs. This one's six, which is what she's done all of her her work at. Um, this is one that where you're real. I'm really going to spread because something crazy could happen, and if you if you happen to latch onto it, you're you're going to be eating steak on uh, Sunday. On to the mile, and Ivar, 4-1 to one in the 11th hole. Yeah, this is a race that I, is really hard to, to read. I hate to keep saying that, but um, this is one that's extremely heavy with European horses, so it's hard to, to really, um, you know, figure out the form. I mean, this is, again, this is one that Chad has three uh, horses in, Raging Bull, Uni, and um, what's the other one? Where are we? Digital Age? Uh, yeah, I believe Digital Age. Um Yes, and um, so this this is one of those races where I traditionally will just pick the four euros that I think have a good shot, and you're going to get good price on whoever you pick. I mean, the favorite Ivar is four to one. That's that's up there. Pick pick four euros, box them in the exact, and hope for the best. Distaff, Monomoy Girl, I'm pronouncing Monomoy Girl, eight to five favorite out of the ten. This race strikes me as the best head-to-head -head matchup between two horses on the entire um, uh, Breeder Cup weekend between Monomoy Girl and uh, Swiss Skydiver, who's coming off a win in the Preakness against Males, her second crack at Males this year. She also uh, finished second in the Bluegrass to uh, Art Collector, who we've already talked about. Um, this is a really, really interesting head-to-head -head matchup. Swiss Skydiver had just an absolutely unbelievable campaign. Somehow, Kenny McPeak, the trainer, has figured out a way to run her nine times already this year in a year when COVID has just absolutely devastated the stakes. She's won five of them, two seconds. Um, 
including uh, second in the Kentucky Oaks, yeah, already mentioned second in the Bluegrass against Males. She won the Preakness by beating uh, Authentic. Um, and then meanwhile, Monomoy Girl is, is an interesting story because she won the, this race two years ago as a three-year-old to uh, clinch the three-year-old Eclipse, Philly Eclipse Award. So, but since then, she's had physical issues that wiped out her entire 2019 schedule. She came back in, I think, May this year, or maybe a little later, and uh, she's won, She's three for three in 2020, coming off a win in the La Troyenne at Churchill Downs on September 4th. And uh, she's the one to beat, it, clearly shown by the 8-5 to five favoritism. But I'm going to take a swing with Swiss Skydiver. Um, it, it, this is a great head-to-head matchup against two horses that are both in great form and will be deserved winners no matter who it is. I just think Swiss Skydiver has done everything right. Um, saw some workout video from her. Not to say that Monomoy Girl didn't take to the Keeneland, but um, Swiss Skydiver, the, the word was floating the way she was getting over the track um, this week. So I'm going to take a little look at her to uh, upset Monomoy Girl. But I'm not going to really do a lot betting-wise in this race because it, it's going to be hard to like really make any money unless some bomb... You know that comes from out of the clouds that no one was expecting wins in, and I really don't, you know, have any. I can't really pinpoint anybody in this race that fits that description. So I'm gonna see what kind of price I can get on Swiss Skydiver. She might. I mean, it, it seems like an obvious. Um, if you're playing multiple race wagers, like the pick five and stuff like that, which I like to do, um, where you would just play those two in this leg to kind of cheapen your ch- ticket, or if you. You know, if you feel that strongly about one or the other, singling. So I'll, I'll take a look at that a little bit. Maybe singling Swiss Skydiver in multiples. And then the turf, um, the race before the classic, uh, magical number coming out of the second uh, post at 5-2. to Yeah, and again, this is one of those um, Euro-heavy races where I usually, where usually, you know, it's good prices on everybody. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I have a tendency to just pick four Euros that, seem to fit that day and, and put them together in exact a box for a dollar. It's a $12 wager, and if you hit it, it you're going to get paid halfway decently. Um, I have been a fan of Channel Maker for a while. He's 5-1. to one. He's coming off a win in the Sword Dancer um, to the point where I actually put him on my watch list uh, through the Daily Racing Forum website a couple years ago or last year, whatever it was. I can't remember why, but he's still on my watch list. And uh, coming off that Sword Dancer win, um, I... I I think he's he's a tricky horse to ride, um, but Manny Franco knows the horse, and uh, you know the distance mile and a half should be no problem for him. That's that's was the distance of the Sword Dancer. So Channel Maker, I'll take a look at him. But again, with all these euros in here, where it's hard to figure out what their form is, um, might just you know clump a bunch of them that that would pay pretty well and do it that way. Before we leave here, Mike, we'll promote a story that you're writing. Uh as we tape this on Wednesday night, so it'll be in Thursday's Daily Gazette and online at dailygazette.com. Uh, connections with Saratoga and the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, connections specifically horses that ran at Saratoga. I, I think it's 80, 184 or 187. I forget what the exact number is. Number of horses who are actually entered in Breeders' Cup, the, the 14 Breeders' Cup races. And there are 32 winners from Saratoga represented in that field. Um, eight of the 14 favorites this weekend um, won at Saratoga, and, and then there was another the co-favorite. Um, there's three horses that won twice at Saratoga this year, um, and on Friday during that juvenile card, there's nine horses entered over the course of those five races that broke their maiden at Saratoga this year. So clearly, um, 
you know, as usual, an obvious conduit to the Breeders' Cup. Um, and so I'll just kind of be outlining and examining, uh, who, who, you know, who fits that description and, and how they kind of used uh, Saratoga. As a, there were no fans at the track this year, but there were a lot of really, really good horses, and we're going to see a lot of them on Friday and Saturday. One final question, non-horse racing related, college hockey related. What are we looking at right now with Union and RPI? I mean, we, we're hearing some rumors that uh, Yale had five players enter the tr portal, uh, transfer portal and – you know, we're, we're some of the college hockey conferences are going to start up uh, within a week, and ECAC still uh, playing the waiting game. Yeah, it's it's tough being in limbo. I haven't checked in with um, with our guys, Rick Bennett and Dave Smith, lately. It's something I'll get to next week after we after the smoke clears from the Breeders' Cup. It's just a tough situation being in limbo like this, not having a schedule. I know from Union standpoint, by now they're well into like a a split squad um, practice setup after two weeks of this, this pod thing where they only had like six guys on each end of the ice and they had to restrict the, you know, they had to stay at their end and it was all, you know, very, you know, small uh, numbers. Um, and then after two weeks, they were able to get into more of a split squad with like 10 to 12 players. And, um, but they were at that point, this is a couple of weeks ago, they were still like six foot social distancing on the ice in a contact sport and so I'll have to check in with those guys next week, and hopefully we'll have something to report and some progress. Yeah, yeah. But they don't know. Last I talked to Rick Bennett, he's just like, I don't know. All we can do is what they'll let us right now, and, and then hopefully a schedule gets put together. Well, Mike, appreciate this time talking Breeders' Cup. We'll see what happens uh, this weekend with uh, the results. Yeah, hit some home runs, you guys. The Breeders' Cup is a great opportunity to do that, and I'm certainly going to get my – 36 ounce bat <laughs> out, of the, out, of, out of my uh, my uh, Naira bets account. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thanks again. That's Mike McAdam of the Daily Gazette. Coming up, NBC Sports handicapper and the network's lead NHL analyst, and the old check gives us his thoughts on Tis the Law. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. NASCAR fans, it's time to rev up the engines and play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Each week during the 36-week racing season, you pick 10 drivers. If you have the week's best point total, you'll receive a $50 Hannaford gift card. If you have the best point total for the season, you'll win a $250 Hannaford gift card. Be part of the fun. Go to dailygazette.com slash autoracing. Get your motor running and play today. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. It's flu season, and it's always a good idea to get the flu shot. But this year, it's more important than ever. A flu shot won't prevent COVID-19, but it will lower your chances of getting seriously sick from the flu. If you do get sick, the shot can lessen your symptoms and help you feel better sooner. The last thing you or the healthcare system needs during this pandemic is a bad flu season. So please, protect yourself and your community. Get a flu shot now. Welcome back to the podcast. We got Mike McGannis' perspective on the Breeders' Cup. Now let's get a national perspective. You know our guest as a horse racing handicapper for NBC Sports and the lead analyst for the NHL and NBC. Here is Eddie Olchek. Eddie, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know the last time we did a one-on-one -on -one interview was in, I think, 2013 with 
your first uh, coverage of the Travers for NBC Sports. That's what I said. <laughs> and also, and I, I hate to bring this up, and it's, it's not in any mean spirit of way. You came to uh, uh, Union College to see your son Tommy play, and that was right yeah. during the middle of the uh, NHL lockout in 2012-13. And I shyly asked you if you wanted to talk about that, and you, and you politely declined, but I, I, I understood <laughs> Considering the world we're living in, and, and no politics uh, here, but you know, the PC thing was yes, to, just to say, you know what, I just would rather not talk about that, Ken, and yes. just there to, to watch my son, uh, to watch my son play college hockey. So nice to be with you again, and uh, it's, uh, it's a crazy time in, in, in all of our world. So I hope you're healthy and uh, safe, and your family and all your listeners. And uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll all be on the right side of this sooner than later, and uh, hopefully, get back to whatever the new normal is here moving forward because we've all been through a lot it's affected everybody in every fashion and uh you know hopefully there's a silver lining somewhere here and uh, hopefully we'll all be better for it and uh we can move on and get back to whatever you know whatever our uh, our normal days going on here moving forward yeah well i appreciate it eddie and same to you and your family well let's look at the breeders cup classic obviously for us yeah. here in the capital region of the uh, new york state the focus on is on tis the law uh, he won the Belmont Stakes and then the Travers, of course, you know, the Sacatoic uh, Sable yep. uh, conglomerate. But then he lost to uh, in the Kentucky Derby to Authentic. Uh, Tizzle does, does didn't race in the Preakness. Uh, so was that a good decision to rest Tizzle to get him ready for the Breeders' Cup Classic? Wow. Well, there, there, there's a lot there. And, and, and I will say this, Ken, is that in, in horse racing, um, any time that you either question a ride by a jockey, uh, question a decision by a trainer or an owner, or if you, you know, just, you know, call out somebody like in the other major sports or the world, the real world that we live in, everybody gets all up in arms and, you know, it's just, it just seems like in horse racing, it's maybe overly sensitive when somebody, you know, again, just gives an opinion. It's not taking a shot. It's no personal vendetta. It's just like, okay, you know, like this is one person's opinion. And, and I'll just use this example, and, I, and I'll answer your question. It's, it's almost like any time you see a, a horse get claimed from somebody, and then the horse goes on and, and does extremely well, whether it was uh, Jerry Hollendorfer uh, claiming uh, Vasilika from Robert Falcone for $35,000, and the mayor went on to win $2.5 million, or Starship Jubilee claimed for $16,000 almost two and a half years ago, and now has made like $3 million. Everybody goes, oh, what a great claim, great claim by the trainers. Well, if you own those horses and you lost those horses for 35000 and 60000 respectively, if you're the owner of those horses, you'd be like, how in the hell did I miss out on $2 million and, you know, and, and, and $3 million here or whatever? So, if you know, very rarely you ever hear anybody in horse racing say, well, I mean, what a brutal decision by Robert Falcone. What a brutal decision by... You know, uh, George Navarro, the trainer, Starship, Starship Jubilee. So it's always, the, you know, what a claim, what a claim. Well, there's two sides to every story, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and for me, like getting the tis the law, and I just wanted to kind of like put that out there and, and kind of paint a picture where I'm going here is I, I kind of I was very surprised at how gung ho the connections of tis the law were about winning the Travers. I understand that. I, I understand that that neck of the woods, that's their backyard. I get it. 
But I really believe is what cost the horse the Derby was running in the Traverse. That's just one man's opinion. I, you know, I mean, I've talked to some people inside the game. They're not arguing with my feeling on, you know, tis the law losing the Kentucky Derby. Now, I didn't pick tis the law in the Derby. I, I, I did not, and I didn't have authentic. I just thought that tis the law was vulnerable uh, coming off that big win in the Traverse. So for me, it'll be really interesting how tis the law runs this race. Manny Franco on the inside pulls position to, I don't think it's the speed of the race, but certainly going to have to get position. Uh, has had plenty of time to uh, to regroup after that race. Now, in fairness to Tisla, did come out of post position 14 to 15 in the Kentucky Derby, but really wasn't a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot of speed in that race when, until, you know, and then King Guillermo got scratched a couple of days before. So the race kind of slowed down a bit where I thought it had a chance to be a little bit more of a fever pitch. Uh, Tisla decided to sit back and, you know, again, didn't have that same punch as we've seen with that horse. So, um, uh, let's see, the PC Worlds, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting right on the fence with Tizla. Yeah. Can the horse win? Sure. Am I going to use the horse? Probably, but not on, on top. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of trip Tizla gets. Look at terrific horse, New York Brett. Look at, I spent, a, I spent a couple of years playing for the Rangers, won a Stanley Cup with the Rangers in 94. We'll always be connected to the, to, uh, to New York and the state of New York, but, um, Tizla is going to have to really do some running here, uh, in my opinion, to, to win the Breeders' Cup Classic. What do you like about Tizla from just, you know, watching the horse race, watching, him win the uh, Belmont and then the Travers. Uh, I mean, very, very businesslike. Uh, I love the Sire Constitution. Uh, I will just throw this out there. Um, I, I would love to see again. Not going to be this year. Sometime early next year. Uh, I would ask. Uh, I would ask to see this horse get on the grass. Uh, I, I, I think that this horse has a chance to be uh, a, a, a Breeders' Cup uh, turf winner. I, I, re- I really believe that this horse is breeding. The way this horse can, uh, can, can be uh, real flexible on the style, real, uh, has the ability to adapt, can be really close to the lead, or I think sit off the pace. Uh, I, I, think, I would love to see this horse get on the grass, Ken. I, I really would. I, I just think that this horse might be able to go to another level. Now, the one argument that I would have is being a handicapper and loving the horses is, okay, the, the horses that Tis the Law has beaten, uh, you know, like, there's not a lot there. Now, look at the horse. You only can play who's on your schedule. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand. Look at I see it in hockey all the time. I see it when you get to the playoffs. You know, we see it in college football. Okay, now, I mean, college football might be a little bit, that probably not the road to go down because you're able to schedule who you want and whatever. But yeah, I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. All you can do is when you say, I'm going to go to the Holy Bull, I'm going to go to Florida Derby, I'm going to go to the Belmont, I'm going to go to Travers, I'm going to go there. All I can do is run who's there and, and take care of business. And he has done that. Um, I, I like him. Very respectful of all the connections. Um, but I, I would love to see. My, my wish would be for Tesla is I'd like to see this horse get on the grass, and I think that this horse might become something even more special than maybe people think that he is because I think that uh, his style, his ability to be tactical, and the breeding with suggestion, like I said, um, Constitution, the sire, fairly new sire, 
uh, has been throwing a lot of turf winners, and uh, I would love to see that happen maybe sometime uh, if Barkley decides to go down to Florida for the wintertime, give Tisdala obviously some time to breathe a little bit and maybe get this horse uh, on the grass in February or March. And if that is indeed the case, maybe uh, we can have a conversation uh, less than a year from now saying, you know what, let's let's revisit that conversation we had with Eddie Olchek saying, tis the law is going to be a tough monster. And uh, I would love to see that moving forward, and uh, we'll see what happens. So who do you like in the Classic? I don't like this the law. Okay, let's just get that out there. Let's just get that out there right now. I mean, uh, I think if anybody you could dissect that, that they would probably understand where I was going on that. Um, I, I think that the, the race is going to be really interesting. For me, it's the two outside horses is what do they do? And they're both trained by Bob Baffert. All three outside horses, by the way, and probably the eight, authentic, the nine, and maximum security, the ten, all trained by Bob Baffert. Authentic's got to go. Maximum security, um, um, he's a play against for me. I, I, I just I can't use him. I just think he's seen his better days and, and what have you. Um, you know, Global Campaign's an interesting horse for Stanley Huff. Has some speed. I think certainly has to be forwardly placed. That seems to be the the MO here as of late. I think it's going to be a quick pace. And again, you throw Tizzle on. I mean, Manny Franco's going to have to stick handle his way, if I can use a hockey term here, and uh, stick handle his way and get him out. Um, you know, off the rail. Tacitus, you know, I love Del Monte. I have so much respect for him and Judd Bond, but I just don't think Tacitus is in this class of horse. That's just my opinion, but we've seen him pull off some monsters um, over his career, and I think he is going to have a, a huge win uh, on uh, maybe a couple of huge wins on Breeders' Cup weekend. But uh, I'm going to go into a probable. I think the horse is just coming into his own can. Uh, can be tactical, uh, but also has that ability to have a quick turn of foot. Uh, you don't hear people talking about that on the dirt, but if you watch his last race, and be awesome again at Santa Anita. Just absolutely circle the field, lap the field, and uh, seems to be doing extremely well. So I think he's going to get the right pace, and uh, the distance will not be a problem. So uh, I'm going to get uh, hopefully get all of, all of five to two and look for improbable to win the Breeders' Cup Classic. I won't ask you to break down all the other divisions, but what what other division uh, interests you the most of, of this uh, race? Wow, well, you know what the the, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, yeah, they're all breeders. Well, I shouldn't say it. Yeah, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint and the Breeders' Cup Turf Mile on Saturday to me is are, are two of the. You know, I, I think they're two of the better betting races, which is what it's all about for a guy like myself and, and handicappers up and down. Because you're going to have horses, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to get value. And to me, is if you know, if you how I break down a race is okay. How do I see this race playing out? And sometimes I'm close. Sometimes it looks like I wasn't even looking at the same newspaper. Um, but I think that when you look at those two races, if you have an opinion you're going to get paid. And if you play gimmicks or, you know, trifectas, exactas, whatever you like to play, daily doubles, you're going to get paid because the, the, the value in those races, you know, the favorites are going to be probably, the favorite in each race is probably going to be three to one and higher. So if you like the fourth or fifth choice, Ken, you're, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get eight, 10, 12 to one on horses that, you know, probably are going to be inflated just because it's going to be so wide open. So those are the two races for people watching the races on NBC and NBCSN this weekend. I'll be a part of our coverage for NBC. Um, I'm going to be looking at those two races and really zeroing in and thinking that uh, 
there's a chance. And look, at, again, I tell people all the time, um, if you have an opinion, um, don't let the betting board um, persuade you to go another way. Like, if, if you, you got to have conviction. And on the weekend of the Breeders' Cup, um, you know, you got to take what the track gives you. And if you like going in, if you like a horse, doesn't matter what his morning line, morning line odds are. And I will just say this. I think some of the morning line odds are way out of whack for whatever reason. It looked like they had their mind made up when the when the post-position draw happened, and then they just laid the morning light odds. So I think you're going to see some morning light odds that are going to be distorted. So if you look up at the board and you like a horse and, and they're sitting at 25 or 30 to 1, uh, that's how you make money when it comes to betting the horses, especially Breeders' Cup weekend. I will wrap this up. Is Eddie Olchek here with us on the Parting Shots podcast? Let me wrap it up with a hockey, couple of hockey questions for you. Sure. You were on the uh, conference call a couple weeks ago when uh, Mike Emmerich announced his retirement, and uh, I've known Doc for over thirty years. Uh, back when he was living in Hershey, uh, when I was covering Hershey Bears for the York Daily Record, and Mike's been also been a family friend uh, for for my uh, parents. And you were very emotional in your tribute to Mike. Uh, what did he mean to you? Especially you're, you're coming into a situation, you're replacing John Davidson, who, uh, who's well-respected in the broadcasting industry. I mean, you had a, probably a tough position. To get. How much did Mike make that transition as a yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah, just to touch on, you know, filling that chair for John Davidson, who, you know, J.D. is a friend and uh, – uh, somebody who I think is the, the, the best hockey analyst that we've ever had in, in, in the United States and, and the best one I've ever heard. And, and to follow in the footsteps of John Davidson, who left that time back, you know, 14 years ago to go become the team president of the St. Louis Blues and now back to, you know, where he should be uh, running the New York Rangers. Um, that was a very intimidating chair to go sit in because. You know, J.D. was the best, and he was working with the best, and now I have to get that opportunity and that honor and privilege to go and sit next to Doc and was really uh, thrilled and, and honored. And, and it was an education, Ken, to sit next to Doc for 14 years. And, you know, I'm going to miss him. I mean, it was an emotional time. Uh, you know, I had an idea that this decision was coming. Um, I thought it was around the corner. I didn't think it was, like, right there but um when doc called me and gave me the heads up uh you know it was you know it's, it's disappointing it's sad i mean you know just selfishly you know i mean just i'm gonna miss him immensely and um but i i, I respect his decision um, i know he's very much at peace with the decision him and his wife joyce and um you know i think the chemistry we had the cadence that we had the trust that we had is the, something, the one thing I'm most proud of. And, um, you know, he's going to be around. He's still going to be doing some stuff for NBC and, and uh, some, some essays. And, you know, we're going to see him and we're going to hear him. But it's not going to be the same. I mean, anytime you heard the legendary Doc Emmerich, you knew it was uh, an important hockey game. And to have been his partner for 14 years is something I will cherish. And, uh, you know, obviously talking to a lot of people, Ken, over the course of the last couple of weeks and, reminiscent about doc and um you know i've had a lot of compliments in in my life um but you know one of the most cherished ones came from doc uh, a couple of years ago and and somebody had asked him you know about our relationship and, and working as a tandem in the booth for the nhl and nbc and and uh so proud of this compliment as, as doc said is is I hope I hope Edzo, my nickname Edzo, he says, I hope Edzo has, when he turns 65, I hope he has someone take care of him 
as he is taking care of me. And I, I thought that that was is genuine, and I felt just so honored and privileged that Doc would look at me and think of me in that aspect, not only from a broadcast partner, but more importantly as a human being. And uh, that's something that I will take with me the rest of my life is that Doc had that, had, you know, we have that responsibility. Final question for you. Uh, when do we see the NHL season starting? <laughs> it's a million dollar question. Uh, yeah, I'd rather give you. I'd rather give you the winner of the uh, of the third race at Belmont on Sunday afternoon than try to tell you when in the hell we're going to play hockey again. But um, you know, look at. Do I think we start before the new year? Uh, no, I don't. Um, but after that, you know, I mean, all all bets are off. You know, no pun intended. I am. I'm really not sure. I look at. I, I think the league did an incredible job of getting us through the Stanley Cup final and getting us into those bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, respectively. And uh, the commissioner, uh, Mr. Bettman, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, the league, the board of governors, the return to play committee, the players. Uh, the uh, hockey ops, who didn't get enough credit for the National Hockey League, the Hockey Operations Department, can they did an amazing job, and uh, to get that off and to finish off the season. So uh, you know, as hockey fans, and, and you know, obviously being a former player, but uh, you know, you know, we're in good hands now. You know, we, we, as the commissioner has said, you know, like we have to take into consideration what the hell is going on. Uh, in the real world, and we see what's going on in the real yeah. world with this global pandemic we're all living under. So, um, in time, I'm sure we'll hear what's going to take place, and uh, we'll be ready to go uh, with the NHL and NBC. And hopefully, it'll be sooner than later. But most importantly, I'm sure it'll all be safe, and uh, you know, we'll do the best job that we can to entertain. Because again. When you look in the real world, we understand, uh, you know, where the National Hockey League is and where we are as broadcasters. And we're here to entertain, and hopefully, we can uh, help people, uh, you know, get through the day with, uh, you know, some entertainment, whether it's hockey or horse racing. And you know, it's usually this is an incredible time of year for me. As usually, it is pucks and ponies. It's yeah. hockey and horse racing, but with no hockey, it's strictly horse racing. And for right now. I'm okay with that. That's okay. You're going to be down in, uh, at, at the track uh, this weekend? This actually, you know what? I just, I actually am talking to you from Lexington right now. So right. Yes, I am. I am here. I will be on site and we'll have uh, full team coverage here and uh, really looking forward to seeing some familiar faces that we haven't seen in a while in uh, person, you know, in face to face. But, uh, you know, Keeneland is uh, obviously, I mean, it's a tremendous track and it's a tremendous place. And, you know, we're going to miss our fans. I mean, we really are. And, uh, but we know a lot of people will be tuning in. And uh, it's great that the Breeders' Cup is, uh, is giving Keeneland another kick at it. I mean, we're here at 15. We're here this year, but obviously in the pandemic, we're going to come back here in two years and we'll have our fans back. And, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the state of Kentucky and, uh, you know, the city of uh, Lexington will be able to celebrate the Breeders' Cup in two years. And in between now and then, we'll be in Del Mar next year. So we're looking forward to that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to being on site, being at the track and uh, hopefully giving out a few winners on Friday and Saturday. Well, coverage of the Breeders' Cup begins Friday at 2 p.m. on NBCSN. It continues Saturday at noon on NBCSN and then 2.30 p.m. on NBC. Eddie, enjoy your time with the Breeders' Cup. I hope your bets pay off. And thank you for giving me a few minutes to talk uh, horse racing and hockey. Appreciate it.
appreciate it, Ken. Thanks for having me. That's Thank Eddie Olsek. Yeah, that's Eddie Olsek. Back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Your voice it echoes in my mind. Hey, football fans! The Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest is back. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets their name in Thursday's Daily Gazette and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery gift card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and create your account or use your past account. Select the teams you think will win. You may enter your picks and score predictions five minutes before the start of each game. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com football. For questions concerning the local contest, contact Randy Lewis at rlewis at dailygazette.net. The trip to Hawaii is part of a national contest. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Brett Samuels, White House reporter for The Hill and a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast, check out my Parting Shots blog for my Week 9 NFL picks and TV listings. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports slash parting dash shots. Once again, I'm going head-to-head with Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Sarah went 10-4 and last week to improve to 82-34-1. I was a paltry 8-6 to go to 78-40-1. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. Now that the state is reopened, that does not mean you should relax. Keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be considerate. Be safe. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Mike McAdam and Eddie Olchek for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, Be smart, stay safe.